Welcome to My Intermission, a podcast conversation about the transitions and changes we face in life and the strategies and approaches that support us in taking the next step in our journey. I'm your host, Colleen Stanovich. So welcome to 2021. The calendar page flipped and we'll probably spend the next several weeks writing the wrong date on checks. But in some ways, many things in our world feel the same. I've heard several people say, in fact, I'm not even setting resolutions this year because who knows what's going to happen. And frankly, I agree. I think 2020 taught all of us that we can have the best laid plans, but there are so many other variables in this world that impact our lives as well. So even before 2020, I had kind of given up on resolutions when I was thinking about change and instead focused more on intentions, things like nourishing myself more intentionally or cultivating greater curiosity or nurturing my creativity. However, New Year's is and can be a time to make some concrete changes. And 2020 definitely shone a spotlight on our lives in a way that helped some of us see where we need to change. Maybe in our relationships, maybe in our professional lives, maybe in our personal wellness. So Every time January 1st rolls around, it is an invitation to create change in the new year and chart a new course in our lives. So whether you're living in the realm of intentions or concrete goals for New Year's, season two of the My Intermission podcast is going to focus on some of the general steps to creating lasting change, no matter what change we seek. So we're going to start with conversations around unpacking our identity and what do we believe about ourselves. What has shaped us in our lives and actions? And what can we uncover about our true nature? Then we'll discuss the roles that we play in our lives and how those roles impact our current actions. We'll question faulty assumptions about the roles we play and consider the implications when roles dramatically shift and we have to adapt. Following that, we'll move on to conversations about our deeper purpose. How do we name our purpose? How can our purpose shift in our lives? And how can we use our purpose to gain clarity on our path to change? So today we kick off the first part of season two, our focus on identity. So thinking about identity, there are a lot of factors that shape who we are, how we see ourselves, and how others see us. And when we begin a process of change, it's important to start with self-awareness and identify those beliefs and values that shape who we are as it relates to wanting to create change. So For example, when I left my job in the realm of education, before I could consider what was next, I had to really unpack my professional identity. What had drawn me towards education? What were the underlying beliefs I had about work? How did my family's values in my childhood shape how I saw myself? Um, What did I feel about my professional identity and position? How did all those factors influence how I see myself? And how did the ways that I saw myself align with who I wanted to be? So did all these things of my identity, did they align with the way that others saw me as well? There was tons to consider and think about, and it can feel overwhelming. So to kick off the next couple weeks of interviews about making meaning of our identity as the first step toward making change, I want to start by talking about a framework for thinking about identity and what it means. It's based off of the work by Marilyn Loudon and Judy Resner, that use, and they use a graphic to name the different dimensions of identity. So although they have used their, 
this framework to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion by considering how our identities relate to our privileges, biases, and the way we see the world. They use it to promote more social justice change. But when I think about my own experience, both with my own personal change and helping others lead professional change, and when I've coached others towards personal change, when we start with our elements of identity, they serve as a strong framework for asking ourselves important questions to promote self-awareness. So the primary, the primary identities in their model start with eight dimensions that shape our internal identity. And so those eight dimensions are race, age, sexual orientation, our gender, our physical and mental ability, our ethnicity, class, and religion. And a lot of those have either been given to us by birth or were shaped very early on, but they can change. Some of them can change over time. But when we use these to think about the change we seek, we aren't considering how to change our identities, but instead how our identity in this realm shapes our belief about ourselves, our lives, and our ability to create change through our actions. So when I wanted to break out of unhealthy habits, like sitting too much and not exercising enough... I asked myself some questions about my own beliefs regarding my core identity. What did I believe wellness and fitness look like for a middle-aged woman? Or when I talked internally to myself, or if I spoke to others about my physical ability in my body, what were the messages that I conveyed? What are my beliefs about what women's bodies are supposed to look like? And when I asked these questions, I found myself really uncovering some ugly truths about what I believed about changing my physical body. Sitting in those uncomfortable realizations helped me realize that there was bigger work to do beyond just working out more or drinking more water. The questions obviously change based on what new mindsets, practices, or opportunities you're seeking. But if we take time to think about how our primary identities shape our beliefs and how how we see ourselves, we can tap into some of those psychological barriers that hold us back. So, and at the same time, it's also important to note that the Loudon Rosner work helps people consider their privilege as their primary identities align with the dominant societal identity. So for example, in our society, there are certain parts of identity being white, for example, speaking English, which are like the default majority identities in this country. And so there are different privileges that come with this. So as we're thinking about creating personal change, it is also important to consider what our privileges afford us in making these change and what the opportunities we have to make change. So for example, as me, as a white middle-class person without a physical disability who speaks the predominant language in the United States, there are so many resources available to me and avenues I have available to create fitness, physical fitness change because my predominant identities are in line with a lot of societal factors and societal messages. At the same time, though, as a woman, there are predominant messages in our society about what size of body is healthy. And as someone who doesn't fit that size, I have to find my own models and guidance outside of mainstream messaging. So using our primary identities to ask ourselves questions about what we believe in relation to the change we want to seek helps us to unpack our identity. So after we've thought about our core identity and those primary identity factors, we can think about kind of the next layer out and our family and more external identity, right? The family issues, dun, dun, dun. 
Our families instill in us another layer of our identities and how we see ourselves in relationship to others. And this early experience with our families helps us shape things like gender roles and belief systems, even bigger than just our religious beliefs, but our belief and values in the world, our communication styles, how we handle conflict. So using this next layer of our identity can be a really wild ride through childhood experiences, family interactions, and analysis of interpersonal dynamics. It can also be a really enlightening layer of, an, of identity um, when we consider how the messages about what was important or how time should be spent, what healthy conflict or unhealthy conflict looks like, what constitutes success. All of those things are shaped and formed in our identities based on some of our childhood experiences. It doesn't mean we can't change those, but we do see our through our childhood, a lot of our identities start to take shape. So for me, when I was considering my professional change, I realized that some of what I was dealing with was the idea of stepping outside of the realm of education. I realized that that prompted feelings of grief because I came from a household of educators and had been brought up feeling like being in education, being a teacher was one of the most important jobs in our society. So when I wanted to make that professional change, I realized that part of my identity came from the idea that my parents had always supported and encouraged my pursuit of being a teacher. And I'd always seen myself as an educator. So when I thought about stepping away from that career path, it felt really discombobulating and out of alignment with the values that I had felt from my childhood. So again, I had to ask myself some questions. Why was the field of education so valued in my family? Why did I feel value in my role as an educator? What were the underlying messages about the field of education that informed my choices as I pursued my career? And then what skills did I develop in the field of education? And how are some of those skills still valuable, even if I stepped outside of education? So this line of questioning can be painful and requires some honest reflection about where your beliefs stem from, but also how you continue to live into them, whether you're being intentional about that or not. And my example is about values and the value of education, but Asking about your family's communication styles and gender roles, asking those questions of yourself can be helpful in considering all kinds of personal and professional change. Want to deepen your marriage? Well, how does your own approach to conflict or communication with your partner mirror what you saw in your family? Do you want to hold stronger boundaries for yourself and take more personal time? Well, how did you see people in your family communicate their needs about personal time? Or how was personal time even a value in your family growing up? How did people in your family ask for what they needed? So lots to investigate there. And again, as you think about the change you want to make, thinking about really asking yourself the question about what are some of your beliefs or the things that you experienced growing up that either are in line with the changes you want to make or maybe push against them. So then the third layer of identity, not that you were born into and wasn't shaped by your family, but is really the identity that you have helped cultivate and create. So it's your life experiences and the choices that you've made as you've lived your life, your jobs, your relationships, your education, also even global events that have shaped our world. 
Um, all these things help shape how you see yourself and how you think others see you. So if you're again, considering a professional change, this layer of identity is really essential because if you think about how does your professional title shape your identity and how you see yourself or how others see you, it's an important question to ask. How would changing your professional title impact how you see yourself or how you think others would see you? This is a time also to really cue into your somatic responses. And so as you ask these questions, notice if you feel a lot of anger, if you feel um, sadness, if you feel grief, if you feel stress, and really think about why, where is that feeling coming from? What, what do you believe about how your relationship status communicates your worth and value if you're thinking about a change in your relationship? And I will say this layer of thinking about the identities that I had grown into was actually one of the hardest for me to reconcile in my reflection because I couldn't fall back on the, well, I was, I was born like this or I was raised with this message. But instead, it was the values and beliefs that I had really grown into and owned for myself based on the choices I'd made. So that was that was kind of the dark side of it. But the flip of that is that I found I could more easily name and identify my beliefs and values that shaped my identity in this realm. So therefore, I could choose to challenge that part of my identity that I had created. So in the professional example, like the worth that I felt as being in a leadership role in my company, I could ask myself, was my worth really going to go away if I changed jobs? And how would I even name what that worth was? What, how would I define what my worth was? And what were the values that I thought other people valued in me that I would define as my worth? I also could ask myself questions like, what was my identity in my marriage? And how was that in line with what I wanted or not out of my relationship? How did my actions or communication approaches reinforce my identity in our marriage for better or for worse? So asking ourselves these questions about what is the identity that we have helped to cultivate by the choices we've made? How are we living into that? Or how do we want to question that identity piece as we grow and change? And so this is a time for deep inquiry and reflection. And we really want to think about how we talk to ourselves and how we question ourselves in a healthy, graceful way. So when we ask these questions about identity, I encourage you not to give into the feelings of shame. Why in the world do I think this about myself? Or how did I let myself fall into this identity in my relationship? Also, we don't want to fall into the trap of blaming of, yeah, well, my parents could have done this differently, or if I had only been born this way. This is not the time to look backwards and beat ourselves up. Instead, if we're going to really step into meaningful change, we have to think about this as an opportunity to build greater awareness. It's, you know, kind of like building any other muscle. You wouldn't expect yourself to hop off the couch and run a marathon, So you slowly build those muscles over time. And part of it is starting with your baseline. And that's what you're creating. You've been living into these parts of your identity for a while, if not your entire life. So if you are just now discovering them and unpacking all that they hold, just be gentle with yourself and be proud that you are stepping into greater self-awareness that can lead to greater change and longer lasting change 
aligned with your intentions or goals for the coming year. So welcome to 2021, whatever that means and holds for you. And as you step into new intentions or specific goals, take time to honor and unpack your layers of identity. Because by doing that work, you will uncover some of the underlying beliefs that may lead to greater success in the change that you seek. Now, coming up for the rest of this month, I'm going to be interviewing folks who have done some big identity work and ask themselves some of these hard questions about their identity and how their own self-realization has led to changes in their lives and in how they help others create meaningful change. I look forward to having you join me in the coming weeks as we focus on identity in the My Intermission podcast. Want more ideas, tools, and resources to help you investigate your identity as you create change in 2021? Be sure to visit myintermission.com and sign up to receive blog updates and resources that are come available on the site. Thanks for listening.